Another busy day? Time for a break? Meet you in the tea room. The Tea Room is the podcast for GPs, where we delve into what matters most to you. Leading edge research, new treatment pathways, medical politics, and how to build a better practice. Each week, we share a cuppa with experts who spill the tea on what's hot in general practice right now. From the Medical Republic, I'm Wendy John. Thanks for joining me. Today in the Tea Room, we've got Mariella Attard, medical journalist and editor of Oncology Republic magazine, one of our sister publications. Mariella has coffee in hand. Thanks so much for joining us today. Lovely to be here. Tell me about the cancer plan. When did it come out and what are people saying about it? Okay, so the Australian Cancer Plan, it's meant to bring together everything cancer federally. Uh, which, you know, it's a huge challenge because all the health stuff is done statewide and jurisdictions and all that kind of thing. Cancer Australia is the one, is the organisation that's been kind of bringing it all together, but taking input from all kinds of stakeholders. They had a huge consultative process, they did. didn't they? Like... They did. And it's not finished. So now that this draft has been released, they're inviting more feedback. Um, and that feedback is open until the 16th of December. Right. Uh, so that then they can come up with the final report. Okay. And in that time, they'll also come up with an implementation plan because that's not included yet. How are they going to bridge that federal-state divide? How do they plan to do that? Yeah, well, that's interesting that you raise that because it was one of the biggest questions that people asked at COSA, Clinical Oncology Society of Australia. So there was a plenary session there where they had an expert panel to talk about what was in the plan, ask questions, and one of it was about bridging that divide. And they, you know, everyone said that's going to be a big challenge. But because everybody is focused on the same outcomes, that it can be done. And it's been done with other things like mental health and so on. Right. So there's so a precedent for that they might precedent. be using. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And the whole focus of the plan is around equity. Cancer stats have been really good for Australia overall. For Australians across the board, it's reduced by 16%. But for Indigenous Australians, it's actually gone up by 26%. Wow. Yeah, so the gap keeps growing. So uh, equity is the focus of the entire cancer plan. It's about everybody being able to access the services that they need, regardless of where they live or what population group they belong to. And that's, that's the aim of bringing it all together. What are some of the bones of the cancer plan? Basically what they've done is it's a 10-year plan and they've got these overarching objectives, which are the big ambitions. So you've got prevention and detection, enhanced consumer experience, achieving equity, world-class systems, foundations. And then they've developed these five-year goals that will help us get there. And then there will be 10-year goals. But the 10-year goals are not really set because, as they very rightly said, you know, we don't know what's going to be available to us at 10 years. Technology. Yeah, yeah, everything's going to change. Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, yeah. So the whole yes, point yeah, yeah. is that everybody needs to be involved and connected. And that means a big thing is optimal care pathways, for instance. So, you know, if you have a particular type of tumour, a particular cancer, you should be able to get treatment according to these optimal care pathways. Now, right now, that doesn't happen uniformly. What will this mean for GPs, do you think? Well, 
What it means generally is that everyone who's involved in cancer care will be able to tap into networks so that their patients will get the optimal care. There will be these big networks. For example, there are these cancer centres that have been funded in the budget for cancer this year. And even though they're situated in metro areas, it should be that people can tap into the expertise from those centres from wherever they are. They should be able to get the care that's closest to home for them. And for some things, they'll be able to do that. And then for the really complicated stuff that doesn't get done very much, they will then travel to their closest cancer centre. But it will all be linked in. Right. So through the optimal care pathways, through things like data linkage, everyone will know what's available to them and where to go to get it. Because at the moment it's sometimes because <laughs> at the moment sometimes it's doctors hunting around to find the best pathway for this person in that particular location. That's right. Anything else about the cancer plan that you think is significant? Yes, there is another important thing. Yeah. Which is something that Professor Keefe really emphasised, which is that the Australian Cancer Plan is tumour agnostic. So it shouldn't matter what kind of cancer you have, you know. Yeah, that's kind of, that sounds like a, a big thing. Especially for rare cancers because there's been a real push recently yeah. for rare cancers to be able to get access to the same kind of funding, the same kind of pathways. Mm. And as we know, different cancers don't have access to the same kind of funding. So the Cancer Plan's pretty big. Submissions are coming up, closing, when are submissions still available? 16 until 16 December. 16 December. What else is happening in the world of cancer in Australia? Well, back in October, there was a story that actually hit mainstream media and it was about bowel cancer screening. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw that video. Ryan of, Reynolds. That's it. The actor. Having a colonoscopy. That's right. Like live streamed his colonoscopy, yeah, yeah. to ra- to raise awareness around of bowel yeah, cancer. That's right, that's right. So this was mostly, you know, it all started in the US, but obviously, you know, we went viral, cultural, yeah, stuff from there and what have you. So he was doing it to say, you know, forty five years old or whatever in your forties, get a colonoscopy, go and do it. Now, of course, in Australia, our bowel, we have a national bowel cancer screening program and that's from 50 to 74 yes you get your your poo kit in the mail yeah that's right so it's a bit different here we we do have a screening program but it's not a colonoscopy screening program it's i think they call it a fecal immunochemical test Mm. and fit but yeah it's the poo kit in the mail and (laughs) and fit it's a fit kit in the mail in the mail yeah but so back in october in the new england journal of medicine there was some research published and it was the first randomised control trial looking at the effectiveness of colonoscopy as a population screening tool. And it had some fairly disappointing results. So what they found was that a colonoscopy reduced the risk of incidence of colorectal cancer only by about 18% over 10 years and not significantly at all in terms of reducing risk of death from colorectal cancer. Now, that's kind of disappointing because previously observational studies had shown incidence reduction of between 40 and 69% and a mortality reduction of anywhere between 29 and 88%. So it's a big shift yeah, in like, stats yeah, and understanding yeah. around it. But it was quite controversial though, wasn't it? It was controversial because then it got picked up by mainstream media 
And it was taken as saying, oh, look at that, colonoscopies don't do anything to prevent incidence of colorectal cancer. Yes. But in fact, as many practitioners and others pointed out quite loudly and on social media and everything, this didn't really test whether colonoscopies were an effective screening tool. What they tested was whether invitation to have a colonoscopy was an effective screening tool. Right. Because only 42% of the people who were invited to have the colonoscopy went ahead and did it, right, which is not that many. And even using her protocol statistical analysis, and don't ask me to explain that. (laughs) Basically what it does is it sort of says, well, what if everybody who got invited had actually said yes and done the colonoscopy? What would the results have been then? And even then, the numbers were only 31 to 50%. Right. Right. So it still wasn't great. And then got into mainstream media and CNN and all that and all these big American organizations wrote in and said, this is really disappointing. But that 42% figure is really interesting because then I spoke with Professor uh, Mark Jenkins here from the University of Melbourne, and he's at the Centre for Epidemiology and Biostatistics. And he said, coincidentally, 42% is actually around the number of people here who take up the bowel screening invitation. Ah. Yeah, I think it was the AIHW said it was something like 43.5%. Right. Is, Interesting. You know, so even though they come in the mail, you still get fewer than half of, of recipients actually doing it. So he said it's not known why the uptake is so low, right? But he's, he and his team are, are working on figuring that out and increasing the participation rate. So participation rate in bowel screening is really the big issue. Right. But yeah. if you look at statistics around any sort of marketing survey, any sort of poll, if you had a 42% response rate, you'd be over the moon. I wonder what they're comparing themselves to. Yes, of course, you want 100% screening. That's the optimal. But comparatively, I'd say that's still a pretty high percentage. Sure. I mean, yeah, it does sound big to us. But I suppose in terms of it being a preventable death. It's not effective. It's not that effective. Yeah. Well, that's great that Professor Jenkins is... Right onto it, yeah. looking at more <laughs> nudging it along. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I was thinking, oh, that's an interesting confluence of bowel screening stuff. Yeah. Come up. And then recently, one of our reporters, Laura Andronicus, she looked into some research about uterine cancer being linked to chemical hair straighteners. Yes. Yeah. So what they found, this was a, a US study, and what they found was that women who used hair straightening products in the previous 12 months had an 80% higher risk of developing uterine cancer. And I mean, that's, that's, that's a, yeah, that, yeah. So that was in the journal massive. of the National Cancer Institute in the US. So it's quite big. And there were 34,000 women. So that, yeah, that, that's a lot of people. They were followed up for around 11 years. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's something to think about. Obviously, some people from different cultural backgrounds use hair straighteners more often than others. And again, it's a US study, so it's going to be slightly different, but it's still applicable globally. Certainly one to remember. Yeah, certainly one to remember, exactly. So the cancer plan, uterine cancer, Ryan Reynolds colonoscopy. (laughs) What else have you had on your plate lately? Well, lung cancer screening has gotten the nod from MSAC, the Medical Services Advisory Committee. And that was reported on by our journalist, Alexa Arganda. 
So what they've recommended is that is that we have a nationwide screening campaign which targets smokers and ex-smokers between 50 and 70 years old, and they'll be offered lung cancer testing, which will be in the form of low-dose CT scan. What they found that using this kind of screening was that a larger proportion of lung cancers were diagnosed at an early stage, which is really important compared to control groups. I mean, there's, there was a 20% overall reduction in mortality from lung cancer. But when will this be something GPs have access to? Well, it still needs to be given the go-ahead from the federal government. So, and they've made the usual kind of statement that you'd expect, which is that, you know, they're grateful for the recommendation and they'll consider the advice. Oh, well, that's very and kind of them. due course. Oh, very good. Yeah. Was there much money for cancer plan in the federal government budget? That wasn't specifically addressed in the federal budget. No. Right. But I think the cancer plan has had some commitment of significant funding already. Yeah, well, the cancer plan was commissioned by, by the, the federal government. The Morrison the government. Morrison, yeah, yeah, the old government. I think it was Greg Hunt who right. did that and now will continue to be. Yeah. And I believe the current government has given the thumbs up that they're going to obviously follow through. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate the update on cancer for our GPs. You're welcome. It's been lovely chatting. That was Mariella Attan, the editor of our sister publication, Oncology Republic. I'm Wendy John. Thanks for joining me in the tea room. is made on Gadigal land by the Medical Republic team. Visit medicalrepublic.com.au to keep up to date with all the latest news and views in general practice. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. We love to keep you informed. If you want to spill the tea on a hot topic, drop a line to wendy at medicalrepublic.com.au. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.